What's up, peeps? I'm Mark Zalmanoff, and I'm here to help you make good choices. Welcome to the latest edition of the Make Good Choices podcast. I am your host, Mark, the fitness ninja Zalmanoff, your favorite friendly neighborhood fitness ninja and author, by the way. Uh, today, I have another awesome special guest here. But before we get started, please do me a favor. Go subscribe, review, screenshot, put it on the socials, share it with your friends and your enemies. I mean, if we can get your enemies to make better choices, maybe they won't be your enemies anymore. You never know. Uh, but anyway, so my special guest today, man, it's a good dude here. Um, he is he is one of my goon squad homies. And if it seems like I have a lot of them, I do. Uh, <laughs> I've known this guy for a couple of years. We met through our Apex Network. And the transformation that I've witnessed just in my short time knowing him has been in fucking credible. And I know there was a lot more that happened even before that from uh, being a, a lowly insurance salesman to VP of a multi-million dollar company. He's a multi-million dollar salesman, one of the best in the game, hands down. And what's really great about this guy is like, he cares. So, you know, all the preconceived notions of the slimy salesman and the hard clothes and all that, you know, this is like the, the, the anti of that. This dude just cares about people. He wants to help people. He wants to see people get to the most elite version of themselves. So without further ado, I present to you, Drewby Wilson. Welcome to the show, Drewby. What's up, homie? I'm glad I'm here. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking to myself while you were talking about the sleazy, slimy sales guy and how interesting it is that I, I do as much in sales as I do because I've always hated salespeople. It's, it's like the weird thing, right? Like I grew up and I remember going to a car dealership one time and like, you know, sleazy car guy and the car guy was the definition of like douchey car sales dude. And uh, so like, I always just had this thing where I didn't like salespeople, but I, I think it was because I didn't like pushy salespeople. And so as I, of course, the universe has its way, drop me into this career that I've decided on, you know, in sales, uh, I've always approached it from the idea of being a servant, right? Like, hey, if I'm the person on the other side of this transaction, and ultimately, the only thing I give a shit about is solving my problem for like the least amount of pain as possible, whether that's financial pain or physical pain or whatever, right? Like, how would I make this for them so that I could be happy if it was me on the other side? And I, I, you know, I know that's kind of a weird way to look at sales, but ultimately that's what we do. We solve problems in exchange for some sort of monetary gain, whether it's financial or, you know, we barter, the barter system's been around for, you know, thousands of years, whatever. So I, I just, I've always appreciated salespeople that mostly just ask questions and are like, Hey, how can I help? Cause that's what I'm looking for. Well, and it's, it, you know, it's kind of sad that it, it it's the, it's not the norm. Like we still, the perception of a salesman still has such a negative connotation where, like you said, we're just trying to solve problems. And I remember, you know, my dad owned a car lot when I was young. So like during my teen years, we literally lived on a car lot. And I remember watching him and he would always tell the people, he said, look, I wouldn't put anything on this lot that I wouldn't feel comfortable driving or that I wouldn't feel comfortable putting my son in and letting him drive across the country. 
And I never, I didn't understand at the time what that really meant. I was just like, oh, my dad's a good salesman. But, but again, he really meant that. And it's why he had a successful car business for so long because he genuinely cared. He put out a good product. And like you said, it was just solving a problem for somebody with the least amount of pain possible. I think it's such a great synopsis of, of what sales should be at least. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to kind of make a little fun with it, it, it's all about helping people make good choices, right? So that, that's the conversation that I have. When I get on a call with somebody, ultimately what's great about what we've created and building our machine the way that we have is that most people come to us because they want to know what we're up to because we've built that authority. We've got that no like, and trust factor in the marketplace where people are watching us and going, okay, like, I, I think I might need to know what these people are up to. The social proof is there. So when I get on a call with somebody, I don't feel pressured to take their money. I don't feel pressured for anything. I just literally get on the call and I get to ask questions and I see where someone's at in their life and their career. And I, I get to say, okay, cool. Based on my experience and the things that I've learned being around X, Y, and Z kind of people, this is what I think is a good fit to help you solve some of these problems, right? And there's always a dozen or more different problems. But when it comes to closing the deal, right? And this is industry doesn't matter. When it comes to closing the deal, can you solve that problem for somebody? And can you be confident about it? Yeah. That's all you have to do. Hey, here's what you need to do. Here's what it looks like. This is what the expense, this is the cost. What, what do you want to do from here? And, you know, you and I, I think have a, we have an advantage in what we sell because for both of us, most of our sales are the beginning of the relationship. It's not the end of it. So when somebody says, yes, I'm in, sign me up for the thing and we sign them up, we still have to provide value after that too. It's not like they're buying a physical product where, you know, you come in and get a car or furniture or whatever, and then it's done. Like we have to now back up what we just said we were going to provide for somebody. And, and I think to me, I've always used that to my advantage to, to hold myself accountable to providing the service at an exceptional level. So people stick around because otherwise they'll go away and spend their money somewhere else. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, uh, our mentor, Mr. Ryan Steumann taught me very early on, he's like, sell on worst case scenario, like worst case scenario, you don't do anything after you make the investment in yourself, right? Whether it's in fitness or business or whatever, worst case scenario, you do nothing with it and you're in the same spot you were right now. Best case scenario, what we're talking about actually works for you. And I, I'm pretty confident it will because I've seen it hundreds of times. Yeah. Then what does that look like? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and most people fall in the middle somewhere, right? So, you know, we, we get the unicorn that like takes everything and just fucking runs with it and never looks back and just lights everything on fire and they blow it up. Awesome. But that's usually not the case. And, and rarely, at least for me, rarely do I see somebody do absolutely nothing. So if most people fall in the middle. That's such a great way to frame it of here's worse, here's best. You're probably going to end up here somewhere. I'm a, I hope you end up up high, but even if you're in the middle, you're still better off than you were in the first place. And, you know, I think that's something that with self-development that we have to kind of go through ourselves, you know, we, we plod through life and at some point we're all exposed to this realm. Well, we are anyway, we're exposed to this realm of self-development and 
you know, a lot of people that you and I deal with are looking for the magic pill, right? They're like, oh, I just, all I got to do is sign up for this thing and then I'm great. And that ain't the fucking case. So, so how do you mitigate those circumstances when you're talking to somebody and you get the sense that they're like, oh man, if I just sign up for Apex, like, because all these people in Apex are winning, which isn't true. A lot of us are, but not everyone is. So how do you, how do you frame that for people and let them have a realistic expectation? I'm very upfront with people and I tell them, Hey man, if you're not going to do the work, I don't even want your money. Like, don't even put us through the process of you putting your money down and then in 30 days wanting your money. Like, we ain't even going to do that. So I'm just not even going to take their money unless they tell me they're 100% committed. Because I, I don't have to take people's money. I don't have to do business with anybody I don't want to do business with. I have that because I've created core values and we have core values. You know, I've created core values for myself and we have core values within our business and with those, I can leverage that and simply say to somebody, hey, you know what? You're not a good fit. Yeah. If you're not going to commit to doing the work, you're not going to get results. And it doesn't make sense for us to have this conversation any further because I only work with people that do the work. That's the old, old takeaway. <laughs> Maybe you're not a great fit for this. <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, it, it's uh, not even in sales. It's, hey, man, I don't want to waste my time with somebody who's not willing to commit to their time themselves. Yeah. Like, I, and I hate to be that way, but I'm at a point in my life where my time gets more and more valuable by the day. And, and that means like everything I do has to be very specific. And with that, I have a mission to help a lot of people. So the people that I'm putting on my calendar, they have to be committed to themselves. Like I need to see that before I can take that time to give them, because if not, then there's somebody else out there in the world who deserves that time that should have gotten it, who didn't because somebody who's half-ass committed just wanted to kind of get, dip their toe in the water or, you know, feel it out. And, yeah. and I understand that because we all, as you said, have to go through that ourselves. There was a point where I had talked to five or six different reps from the, the you know, Break Free Academy team. And all of them were trying to sell me into this apex thing. And every time I'm like, okay, but like, what am I really getting out of it? Like, I, I need somebody to help me like relate it to what I'm dealing with or going through. And it, and it wasn't that way. And that's how I ended up where I am now. Because at the time I thought to myself, you know, hey, if I could just talk to somebody like me on the other side that was like actually gave a shit about helping these people get it versus just making the sale you know the hardcore close yep then i would have given them my money a long time ago yeah so that's when i came in i said hey if i'm going to represent this company and i'm going to be here and build something in a community and a culture i'm going to be the rep that i always wanted when i was trying to join this program and uh, you know the commitment thing is so key to creating that successful environment and that culture. And, you know, you train with me in the gym. So you see the people that come in, like, I don't need to motivate people in the gym. Like if you're there at 5am, you're pretty fucking motivated to be there. Like, I, you know, I, I never doubt somebody's internal motivation at 5am. What I'm there for is guidance ed education. I'm there for the push. I'm there for, Hey, it looks like you could do a little bit more correct form and all that, but I'm not necessarily motivating anyone in there. Like, the people that are there want to be there. And so I'm kind of in that same boat as you. Like I, I kind of, you know, I have a screening process that's mostly just in my head of <laughs> when I talk to people, but you know, I can sense somebody that wants it. And what happens too, is if I ever do get somebody in the gym, who's not really the right fit, 
they weed themselves out really fast because they look around and they see everyone else working their ass off. And if they're the only one in that room that's not doing it, they'll just leave. Like, you know, they'll just kind of disappear and fade off. And, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, good luck. Hope, uh, hope that works out for you. Have a nice, like Mel says, have a nice life. <laughs> you know, I, I look at it like um, it's, it's like social drafting, right? So I'm a big cyclist. Love it. And, and what you recognize, like if you watch the professional cyclists, they pack up in this little, they call it the Peloton, right? And they all get in this little tight group and they all ride next to each other because doing that, they get in the slipstream, the draft, and they all work and go faster and, and put in less effort, right? Now there's a guy at the front who's, who's leading and he's right. taking the brunt of the, the wind and he's, hard, he's working hard, but then he's got his people behind him and they're getting the benefit of drafting behind him and his hard work. And it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in life. You know, when you get around the right pack and you're running at that speed, it, it's cool. But as soon as you let off the gas and you get behind it and you're too far and you're out of that slipstream, now it's three times as hard to get caught up. And for the most part, people aren't willing to get caught back up once they fall off. And they just, instead of being embarrassed, like, oh God, I fell off and just admitting it and working harder, they just cut and run the other way. Such a great point. You know, obviously I've seen it a thousand times in fitness. You know, somebody thinks they failed because they, you know, had a relapse in their diet or, you know, they intended to take two days off. It turned into two months. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, we, you know, we say it all the time. The only, the only failure is just absolutely quitting, like completely quitting on yourself. That's the only time any of us fail. You know, we're going to fall on our face. We're going to screw things up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to make bad choices, but the next choice we make can be a better one. It can be the good one that we need to get back on track. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your physical transformation because you have a freaking amazing story. And, you know, it's interesting. There's so many people in your world and my world now that know you and they don't know you from back then. And so you'll post a picture every now and then and be like, holy shit, that was you. <laughs> yeah, that was, there was more of me to love. Um, so let's talk about the physical transformation and then how it really ended up translating to your like just personal progress and business and life relationship and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. So um, in my book, I also am an author. How about that? High best five for authors. Author, best selling. Yep. Author. High five best selling authors. That's pretty cool. Um, but no, my whole life, I was overweight, man. Like growing up, my mom was a single mom for the most part. My dad was in and out. So we were convenience eaters and it was kind of like, just eat what you could and eat as fast as you could, because I had two young, younger brothers and there wasn't a lot of food. So it was like, eat as much as you could, as fast as you could. And that was how I grew up. And I was always like the chunky dude, right. Shopping in the hefty boys section, uh, you know, the Huskies. And <laughs> so like, I always dealt with weight my whole life when I was, in my late teens, early twenties, I got a job working third shift as a nuclear pharmacy technician, which sounds really cool. I took radioactive shit, combined it with medicine, sent it to hospitals. It was a cool job, but I worked third shift. And so I'm not really a nighttime person. I like to get up early and, and get after it. So, you know, working 1230 to 830, I was eating like trash, pounding down the Red Bulls and the sugary drinks to stay awake. And so I ballooned up to like, I don't know, probably 310, 315 pounds in my early 20s. And of course, I was like, oh, God, I got to lose weight. So I cut out the soda for a year or two and I dropped 20, 30 pounds. And I, you know, when I was focused on it, I could lose the weight. 
Now it, it didn't all come off at once, right? I kind of did that like a stock chart and went up and then went down a lot and then went up a little and then went down some more. And then it, like, I've kind of done that game my whole life. And when I got married or when I met my wife now, when we started dating, I was probably 210 pounds. I was at the smallest I'd ever been. Uh, I had not, basically, I just ran around all day, staying busy and didn't eat. Like Mama Rosie's 99 cent pizzas was like my lifesaver. I would throw one of those in the microwave for a minute, eat and be out the door. So when we started dating, we went out, I got into like, you know, convenience eating again. So I put the weight back on. That's what happens. When our son was born in 2016, I was probably around 280 pounds, Um, you know, turkey dinner, three, four nights a week with the pregnant wife. It happens. Uh, so when he was born, I, I kind of was like, all right, you know, this is not, this isn't who I want to be. I do not want to be in a position where I can't play with my son because I'm out of breath because I didn't take care of myself. And more importantly, like I've got a very beautiful wife. She deserves a better looking man than this hunky boy that's looking at himself in the mirror. So I, I kind of like, I went on this journey and I've always ridden BMX bikes my whole life. I've skateboarded. So I'm an active dude. I've just always been thick, like just a big dude. And um, so around that time when my son was born, I was getting into personal development a little bit, kind of listening to some like Ed Milet and Jim Rohn and some of these guys. And I had just found Ryan at the time. And so I was kind of going down that personal development path, kind of understanding it on a deeper level. And so I remember one morning, I just told my wife, I said, Hey, I'm usually tossing and turning at like five in the morning and I'm hitting snooze until 645 before I get up and rush out the door to the office. Like, I think I'm just going to start getting up and going for a walk when my body tells me to get up and just get up and move and see what happens. So that's what I did. I just started walking to the park, listening to motivational podcasts and YouTube and stuff like that. Books kind of started down that journey of personal development and I would go out and I'd walk. I don't know, three and a half, four miles. It would take me an hour, right? And so I'd come back to the house in the morning and I'd feel better about myself. And that was just kind of how my day started going. Then I got into uh, road biking. So obviously I rode BMX my whole life. I went and bought a fixed gear bike from a friend of mine and was doing, you know, 10, 15, 20 miles. Then my friend, he's like, hey man, I keep hearing my buddies that are into cycling. They have these like $5,000 bikes and they do these rides. They ride like a hundred miles. I'm like, that's fucking crazy. No way. <laughs> He's like, yeah, dude, they ride a hundred miles. Can you believe that shit? My ass would be so sore. I'm like, I don't know, man. But I went and I started, I was like, well, I could probably do 50. Like, that'd be cool. So I went and did 50 and I felt awesome. Like, holy shit, I did 50. So then I was like, all right, I'm gonna go do 75. So before I did 75, I went and bought a new road bike for my birthday. Next day, took this brand new bike out, went and rode 80 miles and I was hooked. So that's when I really fell in love with like cycling and endurance and long distance stuff. And, and that's really what I've shifted to is the cardio was the biggest thing for me. I was always active and moving, but I wasn't doing the cardio. So I was just maintaining the weight and building muscle underneath all the fat. So that's when I really got into cardio is when I really started getting my fitness in order. And it's just been kind of up and down the last couple of years, but I'm down to about uh, 210, 212, something like that right now. And I'm a little thick because I've been eating a lot of tacos and margaritas, but <laughs> I'm getting so much stronger because I've actually got a plan and I'm focused and I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, 
real quick, talk about what you did. Was it your birthday two years ago? Yeah, back in 2019. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of an idiot. I like doing dumb stuff. So <laughs> I was like, I had done the 100 miles. I had did 125. Then I did 155 right around Christmas. And I was like, you know, it would be cool. Would be going to do a 200 mile ride in a single day. I was like, I think I could do it. And so I kind of put it together and it was kind of a crazy idea and I knew it was going to take all day and I wanted some accountability. So I hit up uh, Facebook and was like, Hey, I think I'm going to ride my bike 200 miles for my birthday. I'm going to donate a dollar per mile to this um, Texas can Academy for charity. Who wants to match me a dollar per mile uh, for this charity. And so I ended up raising like 2,500 bucks. Yeah. Went out, rode my bike 216.9 miles over 17 and a half hours it was a long, long day. I listened to David Goggins can't hurt me book on audible cover to cover 14 and a half hours. If you've ever done a covered, like a cover to cover book on audible, you get a badge. So around mile 173, 175, it's hitting me hard, right? Like I've been at it for a long time. I'm in the wind, like into the wind. It's 85 degrees, no shade. It's just the, it's probably like the wall, right? Like fuck. Get to the end of Goggins book. Audible gives me this badge. They call it's called the closer badge. And it was like one of those, you know, like you get struck by lightning moments (laughs) and like all of a sudden you feel like, Oh yeah, let's go. Let's go. And uh, so yeah, 216.9 miles raised like 2,200 bucks for charity. Uh, It was a hell of a day. It's so impressive. So impressive. And, you know, I think I told you this before. So I read your book. Your book is called Crushing the Day, by the way. Go pick it up on Amazon if you're listening to this and you haven't got it yet. But there's there's something in you that's always been there. And, you know, your 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 childhood may not have been the greatest, whatever. But there was always something there in the back of your head that was saying, hey, there's more like I can be better. And, you know, I question sometimes whether you can teach somebody that or not, because why, you know, why does one person that grew up with absolutely nothing and a shit up bringing and no parents or whatever end up in prison and, and the one that lived next door with the same upbringing ends up a multimillionaire, you know, so you can, you can look at, is there bad breaks in life? Did somebody get lucky, quote unquote? But I think a lot of times it really does come down to our, I don't know what if you want to call our genetic makeup our, our creative design, how we were actually built. You know, there's something in you that has always been there. That's my perception that you're like, there's more to this. Like I can make more impact in the world. And that's what I see you doing. I see you changing lives and, and, you know, we talk a lot about sales, but it's not, it's not about the sales. It's about the lives that are being changed. And it's not just businesses being changed. It's families being changed. It's marriages being saved. You know, there's so much behind what Apex offers and what we are able to do with this network of people. And, you know, the, the ripple effect is huge. You know, the, the world needs more people making good choices, hands down. And, you know, I say it all the time, like, I can't, I can't change the entire world, but I can change my world and you can change your world and Ryan can change his world and your wife can change her world. And that's how we make like big, big change. You know, it, it's, it's grand to think, oh, yeah, I'll solve world hunger. Well, you know, I, I probably can't do that. 
but I can help some hungry people in my area. And if everybody just thought a little bit more in that realm of, you know, you mentioned it before that servanthood and just how can I just serve people better? And so much of that is serving yourself better as well, holding yourself to that higher standard, right? Yeah, I think, you know, how you teach it to people, though, is you help them understand the smart, small goals, right? Hey, yeah, you want to end world hunger? Great. Go, go feed 10 people today. You go feed 10 people today, and then you'll be like, all right, here's how I did it. Like, how do we go and feed 50 people? And then you're like, all right, cool. Here's how we build this to build 50 people. All right, got that. And then it's 250, and then it's 500, and then it's 1,000. Then suddenly, your mission to end world hunger doesn't seem so impossible. But yeah. you can't get to the big picture goal until you've broken it down into the specific small actions necessary to get there. That's where so many people screw it up. Well, see but, the big goal and get scared. But see, like your mind automatically goes to that, right? Like that's how you process things. Most people don't think that way. That's the problem. So can we get people to think better? And, and I think there's, there's some validity there. There's some strategies that you can get people to think a little more about what they're actually thinking about. Um, but we're, we're kind of wired that we're wired to solve problems. And again, not everybody's, not everybody's that way. You know, our, our friend, Mike, you know, he, he was going to give some shoes away. He was going to buy some shoes out of his own pocketbook and give them away to, to students in need. And now he's got a nonprofit with an, in, an insane goal that you and I know a thousand percent he'll hit it. Of giving and away. he'll hit it way before he plans to hit it. Yeah. He's like by 2029. No dude, like in two years from now, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But again, that's the way we, that's the way we process things. So, you know, I, I, I think about that a lot about what really separates those who excel at the highest levels from those who don't, and, you know, Stuman talks about those separation points and he, and he talks about it with income, but it goes with anything, you know, at a hundred thousand dollars, there's a certain amount of people that just stop. They're like, that's enough. I'm, I'm cool. And, and again, no judgment on any of that. And then there's some people that get to that quarter of a million income per year. And they stop and then it gets separated. And then you're, then you're like three quarters of a million and a million dollars and $10 million. Like every level, there's more people that drop off because they're done. They're like, I don't want to work any more than this. I just want to enjoy this. And then there's some of us who are, you know, I think it was said in Marvel, you know, burdened with, with uh, purpose. Like you, you can't, you can't undo the purpose that you know you're supposed to solve in the world, right? That's a hard thing to do when you know that when, when you truly figure out what you're meant to do, you can't ever unknow it. I think that's part of that weird transition that we make um, as entrepreneurs where we went from working a job to creating a lifestyle. Because you and I know that like, yes, we have places that we show up at certain times a day. We have offices, we have buildings, right? We have locations that we go to, but we, but we don't job. It's not like, oh man, I got to go to work today. It's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go. I'm going to help these people. This is what we're going to do today. This is how I've created my day for fulfillment yeah. because we know everything we do is intentional. And I think that's another part of how we can help a lot of these people that are struggling with whatever it is they're struggling with is just, Hey, what are your, like, what are you doing every day? Are you making good choices, but are you being intentional with those choices? Because yeah, you can wake up and you can wing it 
And, you know, 80% of people will get by just fine. They'll, they won't struggle. They won't, you know, hit the lottery. Uh, they'll just get by. And I think there's too many people that are just comfortable being comfortable. But if you can help people be intentional with their time, like, hey, if you really sat and looked at what you do in a 24-hour period, like how much of that is dedicated towards the goal that you have right now? Whatever that goal is, big, small, whatever. Like how much of that time of your day are you actually dedicated to it? Because, you know, again, going back to Mike and what he mentioned on his podcast the other day, um, if you were just intentional with 45 minutes, two times a day for one specific task, what could you get done? Realistically, if you just spent 45 minutes in two increments every day, maybe once in the morning and once in the afternoon working on one specific thing, how much farther would you be three months from now? Yeah, very by the way, in case you're, in case you're listening to this and wonder what the answer to that question is very far. Yeah. I could probably learn how to play the guitar in that time. You can learn to do just about anything. If you just focus your attention on it and you put in the effort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you something. So our, our circle of people, many of us are excelling in a way we've never excelled before in life. Like we're, we're on the come up, you know, and it, and it has its own set of problems, but, you know, I, I've said it a thousand times. I'll take these problems way over the problems I had when I didn't have money and my, I didn't have my shit together. What, what do you think is for you has been the biggest struggle on the come up? Ooh, biggest struggle on the come up imposter syndrome mm. for sure. Because, you know, yeah, I'm making more money than I've ever made. And I'm surrounding myself with people that are doing things that are just, I, I won't even say the word unbelievable, because I, I, I'm, re I'm removing that from my vocabulary. Thank you to Mr. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> like, no, it, it's just crazy to think about how big things can truly get and, and how we overcomplicate things. And so what that does is that leads to us having this imposter syndrome of like, oh, man, uh, do I has what I've done given me enough credit for lack of a better word to be in the room with these people is is what I'm doing really bringing value to the people that I'm communicating with because at the end of the day I, I give a shit like I want to help people I want to see someone uh, go out and better their life because I know if they've bettered their life then they're bettering the life of at least one other person as well and that's the ripple effect that you talked about right and for me you know the imposter syndrome is very much a, like it's all happened very fast I'm not discrediting the things that I've done right I've if I look at it I've done some pretty wild shit things that a lot of people have never even dreamed possible and and very few have ever completed and done but I still look at it as like, oh, man, it didn't seem as hard as it should have. Or, you know, it all happened so fast. So did I really earn it the way that I, I feel like I did or, or that people tell me I did? Right. These are the mental struggles that we face on that grind and on that level, because at a certain point, you, you, you've outgrown your old self. And so now you're in this new territory of like, oh, shit, I'm basically like it, like relearning how to be me again, right? You, you kind of struggle with this, this mentality or this identity crisis. And so I think for me, that's always been the struggle. But what's nice is I've got great people around me who, who always kind of put me back in my place when I kind of steer off track a little bit and I get into the weeds and then I'm like kind of in my own feelings. They're like, dummy, get your life together. Come on, like 
get back in here and get to work. We got shit to do. You know, it's interesting though, like you say, you know, these things happen really quick, but that's only our perception. Like it doesn't happen really quick at all. Really quick is I bought a Powerball ticket and a fucking one and now I'm a billionaire. That's really quick. You know, we, because I see it in fitness all the time. Like people struggle to lose weight, but they, they stick to the plan. They trust the process. And then all of a sudden, you know, they drop 10, 15 pounds. Well, it didn't happen last week. It happened because you've been doing the damn work the whole time. So for a lot of us, it's that snowball effect of just being consistent, trusting the process, doing what the people have laid out the path before us that we see works and we just have to keep doing it. And so it seems like a lot of us have this switch that flips and then all of a sudden we're successful, but it's because we were grinding for all this other time. So for us, it, you know, it's the, it's the hockey stick, right? It's, you know, it, it just nice and steady. And then all of a sudden, boom, it skyrockets up, but it's all the work we were doing before. We just What's have that quote? Um, you're an overnight success, 10 years in the making. Absolutely. Right. And, and that's what, that's what I look back on. I'm like, okay, yes, I am here now, but this is what I had to go through and learn on that journey. And that's really what I through in my book is I kind of went back and I was like, all right, here I am. I'm essentially at the peak of my life, right? The apex of, of my existence. I'm happiest in my relationships with my wife, my kid, my health and my fitness are doing well. Financially, I'm in a place I never thought I'd be. The people that I'm surrounded by, right? The kingdom, the community that I'm involved in. Uh, that's, that's stuff I never thought possible. So I just remember to really stay focused on that and, and look back over, okay, these are the steps that it took me to get here. These are the lessons that I had to learn in order to make sure I continued making the right choices to get to this point. And if I want to get to whatever this next version of myself looks like, right, because it doesn't end here. This is like a pit stop on the journey. So I'm like, okay, this is great. But like, what's, what's next? Where am I going? It's just continual growth. And that's, that's what I have to think about. And that's why I went back into the book and said, Hey, up to this point, this is what I've done. This is everything that I can think of. That's really been like an impactful moment in my life. Right. Because you had mentioned there's certain things that have to happen for that switch to fire to go down the path that we are all put on this earth to have. Yeah. And so that's what I talked about. And that's ultimately what I'm trying to give back to the world at this point. Like, Hey, I'm not the expert. I don't know everything. I'm more than happy to tell you that I don't know everything, but I can tell you, I know a few things. And one of my mentors early on said to me, Hey man, the wise man doesn't have the answer to every question, but he knows where to go looking for him. And that's the kind of life that I'm trying to live. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I believe that everything that we go through in life can be used to help someone else somewhere along the line. And if we're open to it and we're open-minded and we're willing to be vulnerable and share, like, I mean, your book is just a prime example of that. You know, you talk about all the crap you went through and the, and the trials and tribulations, but it was all a necessary part to get you where you are now. And so if we can help shorten the curve just a little bit for someone else, you know, cause we got, we got these young bucks coming up now, you know, and they get a little cocky and then, you know, life smacks them back down. But, you know, if we can help them with even just one or two, what seem to be small things and they avoid a big mistake that you or I might've made in the past, man, they don't have to struggle the way we did, you know? And, and, and I like that, like, you know, it, again, we all got to go through certain shit and we all will, but, you know, there's no doubt about it. 
but there's, there's things that I can look back on my own life and go, man, I just created my own fucking mess over and over and over again. And so if I can say, Hey, look, this is how I created my mess. Don't do that. <laughs> and somebody's willing to listen to that. Then, you know, I think we're serving our purpose. Yeah. I, uh, I've recognized myself saying this line a lot lately, but time is the one resource you can't buy more of, and you can't win in a poker tournament, right? That it, that is the yeah. one finite resource that exists on this planet that we are all given equally, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So you have two choices. You can choose to do it on your own and see how long that takes, or you can in a long time, <laughs> or you can choose to seek out someone who has done the thing that you're trying to do, and you can look at their path maybe even get in contact with them and build a relationship and learn what they did because what you're doing is compressing time. Like that's the hack that if you want to hack right to success, learn how to compress time by finding people who can give you the answers you need instead of having to learn and make those mistakes on your own. Yeah. And that's why you hire a trainer for the gym because they know how to make you fit and they know how to get you healthy by putting you on this path. Yes. You could figure it out your own, but why? Yeah. And, and early on, I mean, there's so many resources out there for free between YouTube and podcasts and social media that, you know, if, if you're in a spot where you can't invest in someone right now to help you, there's help out there. I mean, a book is like 10 bucks. Go buy a book. Well, here's, go to the library. The library card's free and you can go read whatever the hell you want when you're there. I agree with you, but here's my issue with that. And, and this is, it kind of just hit me, but here's the problem. Yes. They're free resources. But if you don't have skin in the game, you don't have specific reason to take action, you're still just going to spin your wheels because how do you know what you're researching is the right thing for you? Okay, cool. You want to get on a diet. So you go and you pick up a book on the keto diet and suddenly you stop eating sugar or whatever the hell the keto diet is. I don't even fucking know, right? Eat bacon and avocados is all I know about <laughs> keto diet. So you start doing the keto diet and you spend all this time researching it and you go and you buy all these foods and you start eating it. And all of a sudden you feel worse than you did before you started on this healthy diet that everybody says will make you lose weight. So now you're feeling sick and you can't work out the way you're supposed to. And so you go back on and you start researching another diet and you go and you say, okay, well now I'm going to go all meat. I'm just going to eat meat all day. I'm going to protein. And that's, what's going to help. Sounds and then you spend another three months fucking around catching some weird virus. Cause you ate meat for three months and that's all you ate. Like, or you could have saved yourself all that time and that money, right? The money is what people are always worried about. Oh, I don't want to spend the money. Well, guess what? Your time is money. Time is the one thing you can't get back. We can all make more money. Money is a figment of our imagination. As soon as you figure that shit out, which is a whole different conversation, and you stop chasing <laughs> it and you just let it attract and fall into your lap like a cat. But that's the thing is people will spend all of this time trying to do it themselves because they don't want to invest the money. When if they'd have just gone and spent that hundred dollars, they could have got back weeks or months or years of their life that they could have gone and lived the life they want to live and been happier instead of spending all this time trying to figure it out themselves because they were too goddamn stubborn to go and ask for help. And that I can speak to from personal experience because I was one of those people that was too stubborn to ask for help and I wanted to do it myself. But the moment I stopped doing that and I went to somebody and was vulnerable and said, hey, get me fucking right. That's when my life changed. Yeah. I can't argue that man. Amen to that. And hallelujah. Uh, all right. I got a couple of questions for you. 
as we start to wrap this up a little bit. Um, this one, uh, I hope you have an answer for this because it's something that gets brought up by you quite a bit. Uh -oh. Why are farts always funny? Why are farts always funny? Because I'm a giant child and at <laughs> our heart, we are all children. And so when you hear somebody fart, you laugh because it's awkward and weird and body fucking noises are weird. And that's why farts are always funny. I think I read somewhere where like they've researched that every culture laughs at farts, like even tribal cultures that have no outside context of anything else. When someone farts, it's still funny there. You're goddamn right. It's funny. <laughs> What's not funny about a fart? Like, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. Farts are funny. Even in the most serious, like, story. Here's a good, good one. I had a funeral when I was probably 14 or 15 years old. Um, I was not a, a great kid at the time. I may have been smoking the jazz cabbage before this funeral. And we're standing there. And one of these old dudes, probably 90 years old, just rips the loudest fart in the middle of the, like, eulogy. <laughs> And can you imagine 14 year old or 15 year old me trying not to laugh my ass off because some old dude rips a huge fart in the middle of a eulogy. And it's like, everybody's looking at each other wanting to laugh, but we all know it's way too serious for that. And it's like, whew, talk about some stress, but that's, that's the thing, right? Farts are always funny. doesn't matter where you're at, what you're doing. You're going to laugh. So great. All right. Last question. I love that. That's perfect answer. All right. So you and I live on social media. Um, it's kind of your home away from home as well as mine. If you knew that your next post would go viral, I mean, I mean, viral Despacito baby shark viral. What would you want the message on that post to be? Oh, I would want that message to be one about giving back to the people around you. Because in my life, the success that I've acquired and achieved has all come from that shift in mindset of if I just give everything I can to the people around me, the universe will do everything it's supposed to do and take care of me. I love it. I love it. It's so true. You can't, you can't outgive. Like, it's not possible. I've tried. Nope. <laughs> listen and the harder you try the the better your life gets that's the craziest part the harder you try to like outgive people and outdo the universe it just dumps right back in your lap so you know if that's your thing if, if you're into that jump <laughs> on that train it doesn't yeah, suck man great message um dude you're awesome uh tell the people where they can find you follow you if you want to tell them to go check out your meme course whatever tell them tell them what to do Man, I do all kind of fun stuff. Um, you know, the, the best way to find me though is on social media, either on Facebook, Drewby Wilson, Instagram at Drewby Rides. If you can't find those, you can go to connectwithdrewby.com and that will give you a link to all of my social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. You know, there's a million different platforms that we can all leverage for absolutely free uh, to grow our brand and our business. So if you're not currently doing that, you probably should reach out and have a conversation so you can help you get to where you need to be. Um, but yeah, go to connectwithdruby.com. Shoot me a message on the, the old interwebs there, as you call it. And uh, really my biggest thing is I just like to help people. So if you, if you come to me, be willing to be vulnerable and answer questions. 
but also know that I'm going to call you on your shit and tell you to get after it. So, you know, whatever you're into. Which is why I love you, man. Uh, go follow this dude. Again, if you're not following him already, he posts killer memes, by the way. He's the meme master. He has a course on memes in business, which is fucking genius. Multiple millions of dollars in sales generated personally and tens of millions of dollars sales generated across all the people that I've had go through the course. So it, it works. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, folks. Thank you again for tuning in. Please share, subscribe, leave a review. And uh, until next time, get out there and keep making good choices. Thanks so much for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. If you would like to get a copy of my book, Make Good Choices, head on over to the Amazons, type in Make Good Choices or my name. It should come up in either place. If you would like to connect with me for health and fitness coaching, shoot me an email at info at markzfitness.com or shoot me a text, 214-418-8872. That's the only phone number I got. It's been out there for a really long time. Hope you enjoyed the show, and until next time, keep on making good choices.